Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. So we are in this series called Pray First, and um, this, this new series is just talking about the importance of prayer, and we're trying to shed some light on it because this is an important topic. Like This is the way that you have the strongest and best opportunity for connection with God. And the one idea that I want you to take away from this series, and every time that you hear me talk on it, we're going five weeks. This is week number two. Every time you hear me talk about it, the one thing I want you to remember and the, the motto or mantra, the thing that I want in your heart and your mind at all time is the simple phrase, pray first. Not, not pray after we've done everything that we can, not after we've exhausted our resources, not, not when it's all gone to pot and our strength is gone and we're exhausted and we don't know what else to do. We say, well, all we can do now is pray. And once it's a mess, we invite God's provision and his purpose and his plan. And God, I guess you can do whatever you're going to do. That sounds so hopeless to me. But if we have God on our side and we really believe that, wouldn't we go to him first? Wouldn't we put our trust in him first and say, hey, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Lead me through this. First, because I don't know about you, but me on my best day, I'm a scumbag. I am, as if you were here a few weeks ago, but dust. <laughs> and so I need God. And so I want you to walk away from this whole series with the idea ingrained in you to pray first. Last week, I talked about the priority of prayer. If you missed that message, please listen to it. It'll help you understand why we want to pray first, because God demands to be first. God does not play second fiddle to anyone. He doesn't matter, mind that he falls onto a list of things you love. He just wants to be first on that list of things you love. And so make sure you listen to that message, because I promise you, if you'll learn to put God first in every area of your life, including prayer, if you'll do that, your world will change. I promise you that. That'll absolutely be the case. And so to help you to remember to pray first, uh, we've given you a bunch of resources. I'm going to talk a little bit about them now, but my, my favorite one that we're introducing this week is these Pray First wristbands. Anybody got a wristband yet already? So as you came in today, you passed a table. There are two sizes there, but I want you to have these wristbands that say Pray First on them because in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 8, it says, in, and God was talking about his laws and talking about what he had desired for people. He said, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Now, when my wife and I were in Israel recently, I actually saw this. They have these little things called phylacteries, little leather boxes that, they, the, that the law that, that says in there, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's a scroll in these little boxes, and they strap them to their foreheads, and the leather straps go down their necks and down around their arms to literally live this out, to have the law on their heads and on their wrists. And so, hey, we're going to follow suit, but it's not going to be this leather box that you got to have on your arm or your head. It's just going to be this little wristband right here. They're free for you. You can pick them up on your way out to help you remember in every situation to pray first. Pray first. Come on, you guys. That's awesome. 
So make sure uh, you, you pick those up. Now here's my request this week is please take one this week. I know your auntie's gonna want one and I know your brother who's not here is gonna want one, but invite them to church and they can get one or you can pick up one for them next week. But let's make sure everybody here gets one today. Amen, everybody? We've got plenty to go around. I just wanna make sure that everybody here gets one. And then in addition to these Pray First wristbands, we're also helping you. And Laney already talked about it in our announcements, but we have 21 days of prayer that we are going to start next Sunday, August 6th. And we're inviting you to get back into the rhythm of prayer because the summer is very disruptive for us. Our schedules are disruptive. We're, We're all over the place. And so our habits get set by the wayside. And so we're giving you a daily time of prayer. We've got a word of encouragement. We've got scripture. And we're going to pray together. We're going to get posted every day at 7 a.m. on the Simple Church, that Church Center app uh, on your phones. You can, you can join us every day at 7 a.m. when it goes live. Uh, or you can watch it at any time during the day. But we're encouraging you to spend that five minutes with us. Make it part of what we talked about last week, your first 15, where you connect with the Lord. And that's Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, we have a prayer room that's open. It's right here in the back of the auditorium. There is a room where there's music playing, and we have uh, prayer guides back there, our Pray First guides, which you can pick up for free and take home to help you on your prayer journey if you've never prayed before. But also, we have prayer points on the walls, and we talk to you about, and we tell you how to pray and what to pray for. And so you can take time. It's a self-guided time. The, the, the prayer room's open for 30 minutes, 9 to 9.30. And you can go in there for two minutes, or you can go in there for the full 30, whatever you want. But let's make prayer a priority. Amen, everybody? Let's get in here. Let's spend some time praying for the services, praying for those that are going to come today to our, our services each Sunday. Join us and make prayer a priority for your life. Because here's the thing. I don't want you to just... I don't, I don't want you to just pray. I want you to enjoy prayer. I want you to understand that it is one of the most life-giving things that you can, you can do in your daily life. And I think a lot of people know how, they, they want to pray, they just don't know how to do it. And I think what's needed is for us to be able to confidently approach God and talk to him. But, but I think we need some instruction around that. We need some confidence to be able to do it. We need to know how to do it. And the reason we need to know how to do it is because there's a lot of misinformation out there, isn't there? There's a, lot, a whole lot of confusing signals from denomination to denomination about what we should do. And, and most of us, our, 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 our view of prayer is based on either what we've experienced through church tradition or our personal experiences with that, right? And so we, 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 we feel like, we, feel like we, we may know how to do it, we just don't know how to do it well, and we're not really sure. Because a lot of the stuff that we see in churches is, was originally rooted in Scripture, but over time, it has eroded to look more like man's attempts at spirituality more than God's plan for it. And so, I mean, if you think about this, you know this to be true. Think about some of the prayers that you have prayed throughout your lifetime. Think about the moments of prayer. Like, we always pray around, around a meal, right? Because, well, why are we praying over the food again? Are we asking God to not let this 2,000-calorie meal go to our wastes? Come on, somebody. Dear Lord, I'm about to eat this Oreo cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, and I'm just praying. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Is that what our prayer time is? We rub-a-dub-dub, Lord, thank you for the grub. That's our prayer, right? We learned that as kids, and, and we kind of carry that into the adulthood and go, what are, why are we praying this? And we kind of we, we, we discard it. Or think about this prayer. When you were a kid, you probably learned this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. 
I pray the Lord my soul to take. Sleep well, Johnny. We'll see you in the morning. Come on. That's creepy. That's creepy. (laughs) So you know this to be true about prayer. You've learned some weird stuff which you've quickly discarded because you don't understand it. Why are we praying that way? Or even my favorite, we, as we spend more time in Christianity, we get these things called Christianese. It's like stuff that is familiar language to church culture. And as time has gone by, you know, that language has just eroded to a point where only the people that are familiar with it know what you're talking about. Y'all know what I'm saying? My buddy Gary and I have a list of words that you only hear in prayer. And I get a text from him every now and again then, and we send each other a new word like, this is a word that somebody uses when they're being spiritual and trying to pray. Here we go. Here's a few of those words. Partake. In the midst of. Father God. Dwell. Hedge of protection. Traveling mercies. This is not used in everyday language, but when we pray to God, we say those words, don't we? We, we say, God, I echo the echo of their echo. I echo this. Or the word tarry. It means, Jesus, if you're going to hang out in heaven a little longer. But we say, Lord, if you tarry, because it's in the scripture. We say, if it's your will. I don't go to my wife and say, what is your will for me for this day, woman? I don't do that. But we do that to God. We lay hands. We talk about anointing in your presence. I don't think I've ever talked to somebody about the impact of their presence. Right? I, I, we talk, we use the words brother and sister in reference to each other. We ask God to order our steps. We, we talk to him about wisdom, uh, our path, our steps. Or we lift up, I lift up so-and-so today. You know what? I don't say that about anybody unless I'm praying for them. Where are you lifting them up to exactly? <laughs> we command, we rebuke, we bind. Like we do, these are all these words, saturate, precipice, beseech, manifest, and bestow, draw nigh, dust, thou, thou'st, thine, thee, KJV, baby, King James Version. We've got these weird words that we use only in prayer, so no wonder there's confusion around it. And then there's confusion around how long is enough. What's the right amount? We look to Jesus in Scripture in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went to his disciples, and he said, could you not pray with me for one hour? And so we go, my goodness, an hour is the model for prayer. And if I don't pray for an hour, I'm not a Christian. I don't love Jesus. And so we have shame. And then we don't do it because we run out of things to talk with God about in five minutes. And it makes us feel less than. There's misinformation about what prayer is and This is not God's intent for us. God wants a real, vulnerable, honest relationship with you. He wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know him as a friend. And prayer should flow just as much from your heart as it does your mind. It should flow like a conversation with an old friend. And so you need some resources. You need some information. Because information will lead to transformation of your life if you'll apply it. And so today, that's what this series, these next two weeks specifically are going to be about, is I I just try to transfer some information, is I just try to help you understand how to pray and what prayer can look like. That's why we've got the 21 days of prayer. That's why we've got the Pray First guides that you can pick up at the Connect Center. That's why we we do this series. That's why the bands. That's why, why, why we do all of this, because I want you to understand prayer can be can be full of joy and life for you. And I want that for you. 
And one of the, one of the, the things that I love about our Pray First guides is, is simply this, is that Jesus, when his disciples came to him because they recognized, hey, this teacher, this rabbi, this guy, he's got something different than everybody else. And so his students went to him, his disciples, and they said, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus gave them what we famously know. It's recorded in two of the Gospels. It, said, it was the, the Lord's Prayer. And many of us know this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I heard a really funny TikTok that recently they were talking about this prayer. And this guy was like, he was doing the prayer. And he said, our Father, who does art in heaven. And it's like, nope, that's, that's not what that says. <laughs> not what that says. But also, cool. Uh, but we know that prayer, and, and many people have literally taken that prayer, and they just pray that prayer exactly as it is, word for word. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what Jesus told him to do. He said, when you pray, pray like this, or rather, after this manner. What Jesus did was he taught them a model for prayer. He gave them moments to stop and to expand on those things and pray. And so that's broken down for you in the Lord's Prayer is broken down for you in the Pray First Guide. And, and, and that's okay if you pray it as it is. I know a lot of people that do, but it's not intended for that. It's intended to guide you through a time with God, to be a model. And so in that prayer, there are seven points in that prayer that Jesus gives us. And you can stop at each of those points and pray through them. It's a beautiful thing. And there's lots of models that we find throughout Scripture. The one I'm going to teach today is really important. But, but we follow these models because Paul said this in Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit in every situation. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. That means there's different ones. There's different ways to approach God around different things. And so we can pray. We can talk to God in every moment, not just in our quiet time, not just when it comes to having a meal, not, not just then, we can pray any time. It's like having an ongoing conversation with somebody that you love. That's what God wants. My wife and I, we talk all day long. We talk in the morning before, and then before we go to work. I talk to her while I'm at work, in between meetings. We call each other on our lunch hours. I call her on my way home. I send text messages to her throughout the day if I find something funny or whatever is going on. I'll text her if I got a moment and say, hey, I'm headed into this meeting, pray for me, or how can I pray for you, whatever that might be. And then we spend time together in the evening. She's the last person I speak to before I go to bed. And none of that feels like work. Do you know why? Because I love her. And I think she loves me too. It's easy to do because of that love. And that's how it can be with God, you guys. That's how it can be with God. You can have that kind of relationship with him, this ongoing, all-day conversation. And it's easy to do because you love. So he says, use every kind of prayer. And, and find, you'll find the different ones in the Pray First guides. Like I said, this week and next week. I'm going to talk to you about them, but also you can pick up those Pray First guides, or I'm going to throw this up on the screen right now. This is a, there is a Pray First app that is available. You can scan that QR code. I will get out of the way. You can get out your phone if you want to, or you can go to prayfirstapp.com and click the links there and download it. It's exactly the same content that is in the Pray First uh, books, but it also has music that you can play while you pray. So please enjoy that, but, but we're giving you these resources because we want you to know how to pray. We want you to have the models in your hands because I'm going to teach them, but I want you to know how to do it when you go home and, and, and when you spend your time with the Lord. 
And so today I'm going to share one of those models. I'm actually excited to share this one because I've been teaching this model for about 10 years. I've been using it even longer. This is one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I simply love it. It's called the Tabernacle Prayer. Uh, in fact, it, it has been a while since I've used this model personally. As I was studying and preparing this week, I shifted uh, from the Lord's Prayer, which is the model I typically use for my daily prayer time, to this one. And I've just found such a refreshing and renewing in it, and I'm excited to share it with you. So like the Lord's Prayer, it has seven stations in it that you can stop and pray. Uh, and so let me give you a little bit of context about where this prayer comes from. So uh, if, if you know biblical history, in the Old Testament, there was these people called the Israelites. They're God's chosen people, the Jews. And so God uh, has put his hand on them, and, and, and they're, they're growing, and it's an awesome thing, but they wind up in a famine in the whole land, and they wind up moving into Egypt because they had found favor with the Pharaoh there, and, and the Pharaoh said, let me give you some land. There's plenty of food here, and so the Israelites were saved because of Egypt's provision, God's provision through the Egyptians to them. Well, when that Pharaoh passed away, the new Pharaoh came in and got scared because the people were growing and multiplying, and they're like, if we don't get a handle on this, these people are going to overtake us, so they enslaved them and made them begin to build things and work for them. And so the Israelites became slaves to the Egyptians, and they were slaves for 400 years. And many of you know this story because they cried out to God, and God raised up Moses. And Moses shows up to the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. You guys know this? And, and, uh, and, and Charlton Heston, I mean, Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he says to him, hey, hey, we want to just go out and worship, let us go. But Pharaoh's heart is hard, and so God sends 10 plagues, and those 10 plagues cause his heart to be soft. He lets them go. The people go out. God is leading them, parts the Red Sea. The Israelites escape through that. The Egyptians try to chase after them. The Red Sea crashes in on them, killing all of them. And the Pharaoh, and God delivers his people. Woo! Big party. The people then head into the wilderness, and they're traveling to a place called the Promised Land. And on their journey through the promised land, God's like, I want to be with you. Now, they did get to the promised land, but they got scared. They couldn't, they felt like we can't overthrow these people. And God's like, I'm going to be with you. And they're like, nah, let's go back to Egypt. And so God sends them back out into the wilderness where they walk for 40 years and just kind of go in a circle. And while they're wandering for 40 years, God is with them. He's a pillar of cloud by day and a big, huge pillar of fire by night. And God would, would go, and wherever he would move, they would follow him. But when that cloud or that fire stopped, they would set up camp there. And God said, in order for me to dwell with you, because I want to be with you, he said, I need you to build me a place. He said, I need you to build me a portable church, because they didn't have a permanent place like we do here at our lovely Aldi church, right? He said, hey, I, we need a portable temple so that my spirit can be with you. And they called it a tabernacle, which was intense. No, I mean, it was literally intense. <laughs> and God said this about the tabernacle in Exodus 25. He said, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Why did he want to live among them? Because he loved them. He wanted to dwell with them. And he's like, I want to be with you. Now, today, God dwells in us by his spirit because of what Jesus did. But God said, I want to be with you, literally present with you. I don't want to shout to you from the heavens. I want to speak to you like a friend. He says, I want to live among you. So you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Now, God gave all kinds of patterns in the Old Testament that were what we know as type and shadows that we saw play out in the New Testament. 
They were type and shadows or predictions of or versions of the redemption and rescuing that God would do for us through Christ. And the tabernacle is literally one of those models for us as well. And it's a beautiful model for prayer. And so these patterns that we'll see, they reveal God's intent. They reveal his heart. They reveal his plans for us. And I'm going to show you the pattern of the tabernacle and why it matters to us. So here is an idea of what the tabernacle looked like. This is basically what it would have been. It was a large area that had a, a temporary fence made out of fabric, and it had no roof on the most of it. And then inside were a couple pieces of furniture, which we'll discuss in a moment, and then a, a tent that did have a roof on it. Inside that tent were two rooms. Those two rooms was the holy place and the holy of holies. This area out here was all called the outer court, okay? And so and inside the holy place, there were three pieces of furniture, which we'll talk about in a moment. And in the holy of holies... There was one piece of furniture. There was one spot. And there was this veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies where God's spirit dwelt. And that, that's the same veil, by the way, that when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, that that veil was torn in two because God now no longer needed to dwell in that tent. Everybody could have access to God because of what Jesus did. It was a beautiful thing. But there was that veil there originally. But when we look at... This tabernacle, we see that there was a process in order for them to get to God. And while there's not a process for us to get to God anymore, we have direct access to him because of what Jesus did. This process can be a great model for our time with God. And so here's in that day, when you got to God, here's what would happen when you got into that holy of holies place. In Exodus 33, talking about Moses' time there, it said, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, guys, I want that for you. I want you to know God. And I want you to know him as a friend. I want you to know that he can be trusted in times of need. I want you to know that he is a friend who, that you can cherish, a friend that is life-giving. Because many of us have friends that we're like, eh, I could do without them. Or, eh, they're like, they're like an emotional vampire. Like, they just drain me every time I spend time with them, right? You all know who those people are in your life. You love them, but my goodness, you're just drained. That's not the kind of friend God's going to be in your life. He'll always be somebody who refreshes you and gives you life. It's a life-giving relationship. You can have that. So let's get into this model, this pattern of prayer. And the first stop in the tabernacle would be that outer court area. And the outer court area is a place where you would give thanks. That is, you entered in. So in your time of prayer, that's what you're going to do. Begin your time of prayer thanking God. Before you tell him what you need, before you walk in and say, hey, here's my demands, this is what's on my heart, this is what I'm stressed out about, before you do any of that, express gratitude. I think too many times we come to God with our hands out saying, gimme, 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 treating him like a vending machine, which by the way, God is all powerful. He is your loving heavenly father. He does want to provide for you, but that's not all he's here for. In fact, you know what will happen if you come to God first with gratitude? You'll be made whole. Because let me tell you what gratitude does. Gratitude takes what you currently have and makes it enough. When we begin thanking God for all he's done, done the day before, done that week, done in our lives, done in our families, our marriages, our bodies, 
we thank him for what we, he's already done, we, we can adopt an attitude. It'll just happen inside of you. You watch it where you feel like, man, all this other stuff that I actually need, God, if you don't do anything else for me, you've already done enough. You've given me Jesus, and I've got heaven to look forward to. That my life may be hell here on this earth, but I know someday there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more worries. I'll be with you forever. Gratitude makes what you have enough. So we begin with gratitude. We approach God thanking him. You say, Aaron, how do you do that? Well, for me, I, I, when, I, when I begin my prayer time, I actually visualize walking through my life. And it starts in my bed. I wake up and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm starting my prayer. I'm like, God, thank you for the bed I woke up in this morning because I woke up in a purple bed. If y'all don't know nothing about a purple mattress, let me tell you something. You need to get some edumacation because this is good stuff. But I thank you, God, that I woke up in bed this morning. I thank you that my wife is in bed next to me and she's not sleeping down the hall because we're mad at each other. I'm thankful for the puppies that are at the foot of my bed that you give me to love. I'm thank you that, that my bathroom is right here. I don't have to get dressed to walk down the hall. I got my own bathroom. I thank you, Lord, for indoor plumbing, that you've given us the wisdom, the technology, and the grace to be in this country where indoor plumbing is a thing, and I ain't got to walk outside with a lantern and a bathrobe to go to the bathroom I, and a spade to cover it up. You know what I'm saying? I thank you, Lord. For the electricity that I got in my house, that I got a job that provides me money to pay for that electricity in my house. You see what I'm saying? You can just walk through your life. I thank you that I've got the convenience of a light switch, that I don't have to light a candle. I thank you, God, that I got food in the refrigerator, food in my belly, that I've got a comfy couch to sit on while I talk to you right now, that I've got a printed Bible and access to your word freely here in this country where religious freedom is a thing. I thank you, God, that I'm not persecuted for my faith. I thank you, God, for my family and for my children, that everybody's alive and well and thriving. I thank you, God. See what I'm saying? And then you can look through your calendar that week and just go, all right, where have I been? What has he done? Try to find something new to thank him for every day. Keep it fresh. Thank him. Walk through it. Appreciate him. Psalms 100, verse 4, David said, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So let the first moments of your prayer time be filled with gratitude. Now, once you're inside... The, the tabernacle, what the first thing that you'll come to is a very bloody scene. It's an altar. And this altar was used for uh, animal sacrifice. It's the brazen altar is what it's called. And the animals were sacrificed here. And so they, let's throw that picture up there if we can. Uh, there it is. That's the brazen altar. And they would come in and they would bring their animal and they would, the person bringing the animal would lay their hand on the animal. They would confess their sins. The priest would slit the animal's throat and would dab some of the blood onto the altar. And then they would, they would offer uh, the animal as a sacrifice to atone for their sins. To confess, God, we, we, there's a gap between us and I need some of my business taken care of and covered because I'm a mess. Come on, everybody. We're all a mess. And we need God. But what it represents to us, we come to the altar, is it helps us remember something had to die for us. Something had to shed its blood. In fact, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. That, we, that, that there is no forgiveness. And so that we had to offer sacrifices. Well, animals were not a sufficient sacrifice. That's where Jesus comes in. And so we take time at this altar to focus on the cross, to remember what Jesus did because Jesus gave his life and he was the perfect sacrifice. He laid his life down to pay the price for our sins, for all humanity, for all of time. 
That's it. He did it. He was the perfect sacrifice. So when we get to the brazen altar, we focus on the cross. We recognize our need for a Savior, and we bow our heads and say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I know that I'm a mess. I know that though I love you, I'm not perfect. And we humble ourselves, and we seek him, and we thank him because we get to approach God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, if when you're focusing on the cross, you can recognize and thank God for these things because when Jesus died, the things he paid for were important. David wrote about them in Psalms 103. He said, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, many of you know that, and heals all your diseases, pause, By the way, diseases isn't just about your sicknesses. It's every area of your life where you are diseased. Every area you are diseased. You say, what does that look like? Your mental health, depression, worry, fear, anxiety, your stress. Jesus paid a price for all of that, friends. He paid a price so that you could have peace, so that you could have joy. He goes on and says, and he re- who redeems your life from the pit. What is the pit? It's every place that your life wound up that it shouldn't have been. That he buys you back. He puts you in right place. That's what redemption is. He paid a price so that you could be restored. I think people would be a little more excited about that. Let's keep going on. That's great. It's good. Says he crowns you with love and compassion. He's transforming us. He's doing a new work within us. And it says that he, uh, and he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, God, what what does that mean? It just means God is blessing you. And he's blessing you so you can be a blessing to others. That's what Jesus paid for. And so we can take time when we get to this brazen altar to focus on the work of the cross. And thank God for it, to receive forgiveness, to pray for healing in every area that we are diseased, to, to, to experience redemption, thank him for it, celebrate it. Because I don't know about you, but my life was a mess and he's turned it into my message and I celebrate that in this moment. I celebrate his blessings on my life. I celebrate what Jesus has done for us and you can too. So we focus on that, that work of the cross and then we, then we move on from there and we go from the outer court we go to the laver, and then we go to the wash basin, which is also called that laver. And that laver is made of mirrors. And the reason it's made, the basin is made of mirrors, is so that the priests could see themselves in it and wash themselves to be clean. Why? So they could be fit for ministry to the Lord, because that's what happens in the holy place and the holy of holies. Fit for God's purpose, fit for his use. And it reminds us that God has done a lot of work in our lives, but there's still work to be done. Amen, everybody? When I was growing up, we used to sing a song. He's still working on me. Sing it with me. If you know what, to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Because he's still working on me. Yeah. God's still working on me. And he's still working on you. And when we get to the labor, we can, we can, do, we can remember that. And because we know God's got work to do in us, we can offer every part of our life to God. 
I learned years ago to do this, and this is simple, that in prayer, I offer every part of my body to him, like every, every part, because it has a, a symbolic thing to it. So I offer my mind to God, and I say, God, today I pray that my thoughts honor you. I pray that they, they are excellent, that they are praiseworthy, that my thoughts are of good report. I, I, I submit my ears to you today, God. I pray that I would hear your voice and that I would tune out all others who are trying to lead me astray. I submit my eyes to you, God. May they be focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter and finisher of my faith. May I see the needs of others. And oh, by the way, God, because I'm a lustful man, I pray, God, that you help my eyes just be for my wife, that they would honor you, honor me, and honor her. And then I say, God, I submit my mouth to you. I, I ask today that all the words that I speak would be life-giving and build others up and not tear them down. God, I submit my heart to you and I ask you to sit on the throne of my heart today. Be Lord and I'll obey you. I submit my hands to you, God, for your work. May I serve others. May I give generously hugs and handshakes and high fives. May I give from my life and my wallet as well. Use me, God, today. And God, I submit my feet to you. I pray that I keep in step with your spirit. I want to go where he's going. You can submit yourself. And then you can just say, God, whatever else I've got, it's all yours today. It's all yours today. I submit to you. Why do, you, why do I do that? Well, because of what Paul said in Romans 12.1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This, man, if you ever wanted to know how to worship God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Taking everything in my life and I'm pointing it towards him. God, whatever you got for me today, I want it. Submit all that I'm aware of. And then I'm gonna tell you because you're submitting all that you're aware of, there's stuff that you're not aware of going on in your life. And so I open my heart to God and I pray what David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive or any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And man, there's days that God goes, yeah, Aaron, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I'm like, ah, how loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. God's working on me. And so we submit ourselves to him. And that's what we do at that wash basin at the labor. We trust him. We ask him for help with whatever he talks to us about. And so we leave the outer courts, we enter the holy place, and we find three pieces of furniture and the first one that we come to is the candlestick, and it's this seven-pronged menorah. It's the candlestick. It's what you would know it by. But every time we see candlestick or flame in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is representative of or speaks to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so here at the candlestick, we invite the work of the Holy Spirit that day. And there's several ways uh, that we can invite him in. Because, you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to see the Father, and you're going to see Jesus, and you'll be able to talk to him face-to-face, just like we're talking now. But that's someday. Today, the Holy Spirit is here, and he dwells inside of you, and you can speak to him now. You can talk to him all day long. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, as Scripture describes him. And so I want you to have that, but you've got to want you to have that, and you've got to invite his work. And so there's three things you can pray about the Holy Spirit's work. And the first one is in regard, regard to the sevenfold spirit of the Lord to be working in our lives. In Isaiah 11, it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. I want the spirit of the Lord on me. The spirit of wisdom, I need wisdom, and of understanding, I need understanding. And the spirit of counsel, my God, I don't know how to do what I should do, and I need some counsel sometime. Come on, somebody. 
And the spirit or the counsel and might, that's another one. There are days that I don't feel mighty. There are days that I am fearful and I need God's courage. I need his strength to step into those spaces, to have the conversations and to do what must be done. I need his might and I need the spirit of knowledge. I just need to know some stuff that I don't know. And the last one is the fear of the Lord. We can ask him to move in our lives. And it's not being afraid of God. It's having awe and reverence, seeing him for who he is. Holy Spirit, I need that work today. And then we can go to the fruit of the Spirit, which is, by the way, the result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and invite him to do whatever he needs to do so that we can, as Galatians 5.22 says, to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My God, what would your life look like if you had these things in it? What would people say about your lives when they see those things in your life? What they'll say is, God is up to something in you. What do you got that I don't have? That's the fruit of the Spirit. And we can invite him to do that work in us. And finally, we pray over the gifts of the Spirit. You'll find these in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to give us these gifts because these gifts are not meant for you. Most gifts we receive are for us, but the gifts the Holy Spirit have for you are for you to use in building up the church, which, by the way, is God's people. Not the building. 2 Timothy, Paul says this to his, his spiritual son, Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. You have a spiritual gift that God has given each and every single one of you, by the way. Every single one of you has it. But you've got the same responsibility that Timothy has. And he said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So you've got this gift, this spiritual ember that God has given you. And he's given you, I don't know if you've ever used an ember, but I, I watched lots of Survivor. And uh, on, Survi <laughs> on Survivor, uh, they come back to their camp, and sometimes the fire has dwindled down to just a little ember, just a little coal. But you know what happens if you take that coal and you surround it with a little bit of coconut husk and you start <laughs> blowing on that, on that coal? Boy, it catches fire, and it turns into a big fire if you tend to it and if you fan it into flame. And this is what Paul is saying. You've got an ember. It's your job to fan it into flame. It's your job to position yourself so that you learn how to use that gift and use it for God's glory and the benefit of the church around you. That's what it's for. God's given each of you a gift, and we want to help you with that. That's why we have a growth track. Growth track starts on the first Sunday of the month and goes to the fourth Sunday, and directly after service. We meet right over here in the growth track area. You can become a member of our church that way, learn what we're all about. But one of the things you'll do on the second Sunday is you'll discover your giftings. We'll help you identify that. We want to help you. We want you to know what your ember is so that you can fan it into flame. So you can pray, Holy Spirit, I need, you to, I, need, I need you to show up in all the ways you show up. I need wisdom. I need counsel. I need might. I want you to produce your fruit in me. Do that work today. And then, Holy Spirit, I, I want you to help me fan this gift into a flame. Fan it into a flame. And so we move on from there in our time of prayer from the candlestick to find a, a table with 12 pieces of fresh bread. They're baked fresh every day. It smelled, used to, or I imagine it smelled like what coming around 670 by the Wonder Bread factory always smelled like. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Woo! Ain't nobody getting nothing done. We're all have naps shortly. I'll bet they've got nap time at the Wonder Bread factory. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> people eating all them carbohydrates, just, just passing out. But anyway, there's this table, and it had the showbread on it, and there was 12 loaves of bread on it to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And this table of showbread was, was meant to be there to draw you in. 
to help you realize you needed to feast on something. And, and that table of showbread was representative of God's word. And so in our time of prayer, we take time to read God's word and let God speak to us. Because let's be honest, if we're going to have a conversation with God, we need to be quiet and listen sometimes, right? And God's word speaks to us. And so we take time to read his word. We need it. We need to know what it says. And I've given you many reasons already for why we need to know what it says. So we know who God is, his nature, but we also know what he has for us. And in the Bible, it talks about using what God has for us in like a, a military tactile, tactic kind of way. That a lot of what God has for us is defensive to protect us from the world. But there's one thing, one thing that gets to be used as the offensive. And that's the sword of the spirit. When you think it through all the armor that God has for us. In fact, Jesus did this when he was tempted uh, by, by the devil. He went into the wilderness for 40 days after he was baptized, and it says the devil showed up and tempted him three times. Each time, Jesus fought off the devil with Scripture. And he quoted it to him. It says this in Matthew 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need more than bread to live, guys. What you need in order to thrive and live in this world is the word of God. That's what you need most of all, and that's the Bible. So in the middle of your prayer time, we open God's word. You can follow any kind of plan that you want to. Read the scripture of the day, whatever that looks like for you, but get a reading plan and commit to it. Position yourself to be able to hear from God every single day. I look for God to speak to me every single day, and, and oftentimes I'll journal on it. I'll share it with my wife. We, we, we follow this one podcast called The Bible Recap, and every day she has a God shot. It's where she sees God at work in the scriptures that day. And my wife and I call each other, what's your God shot for the day? Well, mine was this. What did you see? Oh, I saw this, and I saw that. It's just really cool, and it speaks to us. And I'll use that as, as time. Whatever I see, God, I pray over that especially if it, for, for how it impacts my life and can lead my life. And, and I say, God, moving me in this way. I share it with my team. I share it with other people, with my kids. And, 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 and it's important that we look for God in Scripture, that we understand him. But, but it's also important that we know how to defend ourselves, but how to wield that sword of the Spirit. Paul said this in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And then he goes on, he lists all of those, the, the armor of God, and then he says this, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When you're going through something, my friends, you need a verse. You need to know how to look things up in your Bible, and you need to know what God has to say about your situation, what his promise is, so that you can stand firm on it, because God's not a liar like we are. If he said something, you can guarantee he's going to show up that way. And so we need to, we need to fight the enemy. With having the word of the spirit prepared like a sword. That's why we need to be in God's word. Let him speak life to us and empower us for living. And finally, before you go meet with God, you find this altar of incense. And this altar of incense was burning 24 hours a day. And we're not talking about, this is not a place for animal sacrifice. This was a place like where good smelling stuff. I mean, if you were to walk into the Yankee Candle Company store, like if you've ever been in one of those places, or maybe, maybe even Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel's got a great smell. They got one section of the store that's all these candles, and it just smells so good. Like, and this incense was burning 24 hours a day. It was, it was a sweet smell that was being offered to the Lord. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, incense is ultimately representative of something we give to God. In fact, the Bible tells us that our lives are supposed to be a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. Incense. So what is that? What's well, worship? And so this altar of incense represents a time of worship. And you say, well, Aaron, didn't we already do that? No, we did praise and thanksgiving. That's thanking God for what he's done. Worship 
is identifying who he is and telling him how much we appreciate who he is, not just what he's done. It's expressing his worth. It's saying, you know what, God, I just love how you show up. I love who you are. And really, the way we worship God is found in his names. In fact, you understand this. I'll just tell you, I've got, I've got somebody in my life. When you want to express love to them, you speak their names to them, who they are to you. And so Shan is somebody that's in my life. She's my, she's, she's my wife. She's Shanda, but she's more than just Shanda. She's more than that. She's my bride. She's my wife. She's my sugar booger. She is my object of affection. She's my confidant. Shanda knows me better than anybody else in this room knows me or ever will. She knows me. She is my ride or die, my partner in crime. Literally, y'all, we were at dinner one night, and I saw this cup that I liked at this restaurant. And I was telling her, I was like, babe, I'm about to steal this cup because it's so nice. And she's like, daggone it, Aaron, no, you're not doing that. Pastor. And I was like, I'm doing it. So she goes to the bathroom. I called the waiter over. I was like, how much for this cup? I pay the guy for the cup. She doesn't know. She comes back to the table, and I go, babe, take the cup. Put it in your purse. Come on, let's go. Come on. She's like, Aaron, put it in your purse. Let's go. Chucks it in her purse. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe we're doing this. Get out of here now. Let's go. That's her. That's my ride or die. I'm sure I would have had a call to Jesus and repentance later, but, but she didn't know I paid for the cup. So we got outside, and I said, I can't believe you just did that. She said, what? We let her off the hook a few hours later, or I don't know when we did, but it was great fun. She's my favorite person to do anything with. She's my ride or die. <laughs> She's my traveling buddy. We love to travel. We love to go to new places. She's my personal intercessor. She prays for me on a regular basis. She's my protector. Buddy, you cross the line and you come at me. I, you've heard me say over and over how she will cut me. She'll cut you too, okay? <laughs> That's just the thing. She'll cut you. And she was a cheerleader in high school, but she's still a cheerleader today because she's my greatest encourager. And I love her for all that. And those are her names. So we can speak to God when we're expressing our love to him by his names. How does he show up for you? Don't just honor what he does. Honor who he is. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's your redeemer. He is your, your tower of strength. He is your refuge. He is your peace. He is your provider of joy. He's your shepherd. He's your counselor. He, there is none like him. And we worship him. We call out his names. Why? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Tell him how much he means. And we can even sing songs about his name. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. We can sing songs and express our love and adoration to him. And this is the last step before we enter the Holy of Holies, before we pull back the veil, stepped into this space. And in your time of prayer, you would be, or if you were walking through the tabernacle, you'd be confronted with the Ark of the Covenant. And don't worry, this isn't going to melt your face off like it does to people in Indiana Jones. But this is where the Shekinah, which is the manifest glory of God, would dwell in this 
And only certain people would go in this place. But when they would go into this place, they would meet face to face with God like Moses did. And he would speak to them. And God, God's presence would manifest himself on that mercy seat. And what do you do when you're face to face with God? Well, just like the priesthood did then, and like we th- see throughout Scripture. You step into that space and you intercede for others. Basically, your job is to become an attorney and begin to plead the case of everybody in your life that you know. To begin interceding and praying for other people. To act on their behalf. To pray for their needs. I pray for you all. I pray for your marriages. I pray for your families. I pray for your kids. I pray for our students. I pray for our grow groups. I pray for our leadership. I pray for our dream team. I pray for all of you. I pray for our services. I pray for people that are far from God. I pray for leadership and those in authority over us. I pray for our partnerships and our outreach opportunities. I pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I pray for needs that I know are present in your lives, and I ask for God to move. I pray for you. Paul told us in Timothy chapter 2, he said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You're like, Aaron, I know lots of people who have to pray for everybody every day. Who, no, but who has God put on your heart that day? Who? Pray for him. Paul says, Pray for kings and for those in authority. He didn't say if you like them or if you voted for them. He said that you may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So in this model of prayer, we stop for thanksgiving. We thank God for all he's done. And you can do this at home. Grab a pray first guide. All of this is outlined in there for you. Or download the app. We thank God. We focus on the cross and welcome or, and thank God for what he did through Jesus. We receive forgiveness. We go to the labor. We submit ourselves and allow God to clean us up. We stop by the candlestick. Holy Spirit, do your work in me today. We stop by the altar of showbread, table of showbread, and say, hey, God, feed me today from your word. And we read his word and let him speak to us. And then we go to the altar of incense. We worship him. We worship him. Let him know how much we love him. And then we spend time praying for each other. And let me tell you something. If you'll do these things, you're going to love your time with God. In fact, the Bible promises us in James chapter 4, he says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And I need you to know something. God's steps are bigger than yours. Just come his way a little bit and watch him come your way a lot. And you'll have so much joy in this time of prayer. I want that for you guys. The words are not nearly as important as a sincere and honest heart that is in pursuit of all God has for you. So don't worry about formality. Use this as a model to walk through. Learn to pray and to really enjoy your time with God. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for all you've done today and what you're doing in us. Thank you for leaving us patterns for prayer to make it clear to us how we can spend time with you. We want to, God, but you're the invisible God. You're a God we cannot see, and sometimes that makes our approach to you. We're, we're concerned. We don't, we don't know how to approach you as we ought, but as we look into your word, we see, we see it's clear. 
what you designed for us. So help us take this model to really enjoy it, to approach you with confidence, Lord. To trust that, that if we'll lean in and if we'll pursue you and draw close to you, that you'll draw close to us. Help us, Lord, to live our lives with a pray-first attitude because we trust you, because we know that you're for us, we know that you're good, and we know that when we pray, when we speak to you, there's no veil, there's nothing between us and you. We know that when we pray, you hear us. And like scripture says, because we know that you hear us, we know that when we ask, we have what we need from you. And so God, Help us, be with us this week. Help us to adopt this heart and this position. And as we continue to pray, there's those of you in this room, you need a relationship with God. You have that by placing your faith in Jesus, and I'm gonna pray. And if you wanna be included on that, maybe you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time and saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Or maybe this is a return for you. Whatever it is, there is no shame. We are ready to celebrate this decision. And if you are ready to be in a relationship with Jesus, would Would you just do me a favor? We're going to pray together in a moment. Would would you slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Would you just say that? Lift your hand. Do it now. That's me. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, there are people making decisions today. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. There are people making decisions. Christians, you ought to be praying. You have a part in this too. This is your service as well. Pray for those that are making decisions today. Those of you making decisions and all of the rest of us, we're going to pray together. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, all of heaven's having a party and so are we. Come on, guys, let's celebrate with people that said yes. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.